Psalm 102. <clears throat> I want to read the whole psalm here again. This is, Lord willing, our end of our study on Psalm 102. And <clears throat> probably, as is the case in most every series that we do, probably I get the most out of it because I am the most immersed in it. You come, you hear, the Lord ministers to you, the Lord changes you, but you're with it maybe an hour, maybe 30 minutes, <clears throat> maybe 15, depending on how distracted. And I know we all can look like we're never distracted, but I know we are because I'm one if I'm sitting out in a congregation somewhere. And <clears throat> I just want to publicly thank the Lord for what I think giving me some understanding here. I have moved through this exposition beginning with intense, deep sadness in my soul for the afflicted one. As I thought about the afflicted one and being my Savior, it, it really brought me great sadness because it's my sins that call, have caused this grief. And then I move toward the end of the psalm <clears throat> really with as much of a depth of sorrow to a height of exhilaration for what Christ has done on behalf of His people. This psalm has really been a mix of joyful emotions for me. And so as we go through here, let's see if we can recapture some of that. Psalm 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry for help come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. In the day when I call, answer me quickly, for my days have been consumed in smoke, and my bones have been scorched like a hearth. My heart has been smitten like grass and has withered away. Indeed, <clears throat> I forget to eat my bread. Because of the loudness of my groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I resemble a pelican of the wilderness. I have become like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I have become like a lonely bird on a housetop. My enemies have reproached me all day long. Those who deride me have used my name as a curse. For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of your indignation and your wrath, for you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a lengthened shadow, <clears throat> and I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, abide forever, and your name to all generations. You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to be gracious to her, for the appointed time has come. Surely your servants find pleasure in her stones and feel pity for her dust. So the nations will fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory, for the Lord has built up Zion. He has appeared in his glory. He has regarded the prayer of the destitute and has not despised their prayer. This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. 
For he looked down from his holy height, from heaven the Lord gazed upon the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to set free those who were doomed to death, that men may tell the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. When the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord, he has weakened my strength in the way. He has shortened my days. I say, O my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure, and all of them will wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. The children of your servants will continue, and their descendants will be established before you. You kind of see how you move from intense grief to really exhilaration over what the Lord here is going to do. And what we have is the incarnate Son. He is the afflicted one who is identifying with my humanity. In all aspects, apart from sin, he is fully and completely identifying with his people. So that my blessings as a believer are completely wrapped up in his being blessed. He's my righteousness, right? He is the one who was condemned in my place. He is my obedience. He is my life. And when you think about all that, you think about the weight of that, the responsibility of that, it is both amazing and humbling, isn't it? That someone would love like that. To love God the Father, to die on behalf of dust balls like us, undeserving, full of cancer, pusserous in our sin, and yet He came and gave His life on our behalf. This psalm is written for a future created people. And you see that in verse 18, this will be written for the generation to come, that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. And I don't know if you wrote a little bracket over praise the Lord. You remember what that word is? Hallelujah. For a people yet, hallelujah, to praise the Lord. And folks, believers are His God-created people. We are the people that are to be depraised of the glory of His grace. And so as we have been studying this psalm, this psalm still lives. And it still blesses that future people, us, so that we will praise the Lord for what this psalm teaches us. Our study and our prophet today is the fulfillment of that word from Psalm 102, years and centuries and thousands of years ago. Aren't you glad he doesn't slumber nor sleep nor forget 
all these years, this word has been here for us. Now in verse 23, we return back to the afflicted one's prayer and declaration. We've come down through verse 11, all about him, his enemies, his bodily weaknesses, the depression of his soul, even to the place where God's own indignation and wrath has come upon him because he has been lifted up. And in verse 12, he just abruptly turns his eyes upward and looks at the Lord that it's he who abides forever, his name to all generations. And then he finishes all that and what God is going to do when he is gracious to Zion and he returns to verse 23 to remind us. He has weakened my strength in the way. He has shortened my days. And I'm not going to spend time on this because we've already looked at this. The average lifespan biblically... Psalm 90 verse 10 of a human being is three score and ten, 70 years old, or if by reason of strength, how long? 80. And here, his days are being shortened and shortened and shortened because of the affliction that is coming upon him as God's own burnt offering. Then he says, he shortened my days and don't take me away in the midst. The word midst can be translated half. And so his years had been cut off. But God's years are how long? They are forever. And you'll see that in verse 24 when he says, I say, oh my God, don't take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Now, if you look at some commentaries, the your years are throughout all generations, some people take to be part of what God is saying in verses 25 and following. I don't think so, just based on the fact that verses 11 and 12, you see the same contrast. You see his days are like a lengthened shadow. He's withering away. But verse 12, he abides, the Lord abides forever. He says the same thing. Don't take me away in the midst of my days. But the Lord's years are throughout all generations. His years are from one generation of generations. Folks, he... Yahweh never dies. He is forever. So basically, what the incarnate son's request is, don't cut me off because your years are throughout all generations. Because you live, don't cut me off. I want to what? I want to live. And that brings us down to verses 25 through 27. And of course we know from Hebrews chapter 1 verses 10 through 12, we looked at it repeatedly at the beginning of this psalm, that Hebrew passage tells us that verse 25, who is addressing who? 
God is addressing His Son. So in Hebrews it says, of the Son He says. And then it quotes verses 25 through 27. So as we know that the you in verse 25 is the Son of God. And verse 25, God is speaking and He is speaking to the Son of God incarnate. This is the answer to the afflicted one's request. Don't cut me off in the midst of my years. Look at me, O Lord. Don't allow my life to be cut off from the earth. My days are almost over. I'm withering like grass. O Lord, I want to live. Here is the Lord's response to the incarnate Son. Of old, the Son founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of the Son's hands. Even they will perish, but the Son will what? Endure. All of them will wear out like a garment, Like clothing, the sun will change them, and they will be changed. But the sun is the same, and the sun's years will not come to a what? Will not come to an end. Folks, isn't that a blessed response from God the Father? How assured was Jesus that He was going to be raised from the dead? How assured was he about that? Well, he said God the Father has given him the authority to lay down his life. And then he says, and God the Father has given me the authority to take it up again. Could he have been thinking about this passage? Because folks, as a man, the incarnate Son, the afflicted one, if he, if he dies, if his body dies, the only way he's going to live forever is if that body is what? Raised from the dead. And folks, the Son of God is still the incarnate Son today. He's a man. He's taken on humanity. Permanently. Permanently. He is on the throne as a man. He has a glorified body, doesn't He? But He is on that throne. He will be on the throne of God forever. And He is our Savior. Now folks, when you look at verses 25-27, through you see an amazing thing here. Look at how God the Father addresses the Son. He talks about the Son's work. He talks about the Son's years not coming to an end. But He talks about the fact that the Son created the heavens and the earth. Everybody see that in those passages? 
The heavens are the work of your hands. Of old you founded the earth. So he goes right back to the creation. And then he says, verse 26, that that work and your establishment of the heavens and the earth, verse 26, they will what? They're going to perish. But what about the sun? He endures. Do you get the picture? Think about when you go out here and you look up in the sky and you see pending a clear night, you see the stars, you see the planets, you see the moon, you see the sun, if it's during the day, you see all this out there. You've got the earth and all the inhabitants of the earth, the things under the earth, the things on the earth, the things above the earth. Who created all that? The Son of God. Or as John would say, the Word. And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld that glory. Now where is He at when He takes on human flesh? He's on the the earth. What kind of body does He have? He has an earthly body. He has a body that's perfectly suitable for this created world. But that created world and that heaven is going to perish. But He will not perish. His years are the same. Folks, in other words, what God the Father is telling God the Son is is that He is going to endure even in light of the creation's gradual decay. Do you see that? How are they going to perish? Verse 26, all of them, the heavens and the earth, will wear out like a what? Like a garment. You ever had a garment or a shirt or something that you wear? You just love it. And like you wear it every week. You'd wear it every day if you could. You'd love it. So you wear it and then you wash it. And you wear it and you wash it. And you wear it and you wash it. What happens to that garment? It, it really begins to look tattered. I mean, the color starts fading a little bit. You know, you get little tatters at the end of the sleeves. You know, you start seeing little faint places in it depending on how, what it's made out of. And you just keep wearing it. If you're a guy, you're going to wear it all the way. Okay, but... You wear it, and you wear it, and you wear it, and then one day, as much as you love that garment, you say to yourself, in the trash. I mean, this isn't even fit to give to Goodwill. In the trash. And then you replace it. Right? Folks, that's what's happening right now to the heavens and the earth. Folks, the heavens and the earth aren't getting better. They're decaying. The earth is decaying. It's groaning. The heavens are decaying. It's groaning because of the curse. The heavens are wearing out. The earth is wearing out. And you know this one. 
Your body is wearing out. The New Testament says that our bodies are like a garment. It's wearing out. But the Son of God, the incarnate Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is going to endure even in light of the creation's gradual decay. Now, I love what it says here. Verse 26. Even they will perish, but you what? You endure. That, That word means to remain in place or to stand in place. In other words, it's not so much you're going to endure like like you're going to live forever. It's that in the light of the decaying heavens and earth, and they're all going to wear out like a garment, you remain in place. No change in you. And folks, sometimes I think believers forget that God is, theologians call it, transcendent. He is separate from His creation. If a star falls out of the sky, He's not changed one iota. If a volcano erupts on the earth, it doesn't affect the person of God in one iota. He doesn't change. There's no shadow of turning in God. He remains the same. He stands in place. Even if the heavens and earth, look at verse 26, even if they all wear out like a garment, He endures. He remains in place. Well, what if, verse 26, what if all the heavens and all the earth, what if they all are changed? What if the existing heaven and earth wears out, and it will, it will run its course, and it needs to become new? What if it's that much of a change? What does that mean for the incarnate Son? It means He remains the what? He remains the same. And folks, Peter writes and says, one day, the tiniest particle, probably unknown to man, but the tiniest atomic, nuclear, subatomic particle that only God knows that's there, is going to divide. And all the heavens and all the earth, all those atoms and all that nuclear stuff, it's, it's, it's all going to be separated and it's all going to be burned up. All of this is going to be burned up like a fire. And God's going to create out of that material a new heaven and a new what? All right. Did it change God? Did it change creation? Yes. But He is the same. No change in the risen Son of God. 
even if it's one form of creation changed into another. He endures. He remains. He stands in place. And folks, one day this decaying universe is going to be replaced into a non-decaying heavens and earth forever. Can't imagine a place like that. And why is this so important? For two reasons. Folks, did the incarnate Son identify on our behalf? Yes or no? Are we not in a decaying body? But He said that our decaying body is going to be raised into a non-decaying body. How can I be so sure of that? Because God addresses the incarnate Son, Jesus Christ, and says, you will endure forever. As a man, he will endure forever. The second Adam. And every believer in Him will also endure forever in that same glorified-like body. That's how I'm confident. I'm as confident of being raised from the dead as I am confident that Jesus Christ the Lord was raised from the dead. My confidence is not in my confidence. My confidence is in my assurance of what He has done. And this is the Father giving Him that confidence. And then folks, there's a second thing here that I think that is important for us. And I'm going to form in a question. Will or is the Son of Man enduring? Yes or no? Is He standing? Yes or no? Alright. Now listen to this. Having done all, stand. Who's that addressed to? Us. Take on the armor of God. And when the evil comes and the darts come and you've done everything, having done all, what is a believer to do? Guess who else is doing that? Christ. Christ is enduring. He's standing. He's remaining in place. And folks, when things, circumstances change about us all around, we are to be fixed just like Him. No change internally. Who we believe in, our confidence, our faith in God and what He has said. No change like a rock. No shadow of moving in our soul. Having done everything, stand. And brethren, you know that in the book of Hebrews, he talks about that. He says that God is going to shake the heavens and the earth. But the city of Zion, Jesus Christ, all the believers that are in there, they will not be shook. They will remain in 
place. Folks, what a blessing that is. That the incarnate Son, the second Adam, will not be affected in any sense of change and neither ultimately will be His people. Doesn't the Bible say that He is our rock? He is our stability. And folks, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8 says, to the Son He says this, He says, verse 27, you are the same and your years will not come to an end. And in Hebrews 13.8 it says, He gives us the name of this Son. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and how long? Forever. That's who the Son is in this passage. And folks, the only way that believing people would not endure is if Christ would not endure. You think that's going to happen? You think somebody's going to knock Jesus off the throne? You think something's going to happen and cause Him to change from pure, holy righteousness and to having some sin in Him? The answer is no. And folks, the only way that Jesus Christ would not endure is if God the Father would not endure. You think God the Father's not going to endure? You say, ah, I believe God the Father's eternal. He's not. He, he'll, he'll always endure. Alright, do you believe the Son's going to endure? Yeah, amen, amen. Alright. Those who have been regenerated by Him, we will endure. Because He is enduring. And that brings us to verse 28, which to me was the most difficult verse in this whole psalm to try to comprehend. And I'm going to give you my solution. <clears throat> it says the children... Now this isn't God the Father speaking to the Son anymore. This is the conclusion of the psalm. The children of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you. Again, the word established there means to be firm and fixed before Him. So what is this? What, what is He saying in the light of the disillusion, disillusion of our present decaying heavens and earth? What is He saying about these servants, the children of the servants, the descendants of the children. What's he saying about them? Well, what he is saying is this, that there will be generations of God-created people who will dwell, look at the end of verse 28, before you forever. The phrase before you in the Hebrew literally is before your face. Before your face. So there's going to be a generations of created people, God created people, the ones that He mentions here in verse 18, who are going to dwell before the face of God forever. Why? 
because the afflicted one took our place. These God-created people are going to stand because the afflicted one stands. So you have God, you have the afflicted one, the incarnate Son, and you have God-created people all enduring, all remaining, all established, all standing forever and ever. Now who are these people? Well, I'm not sure. But do you see the phrase in verse 28, your servants? Okay. Look in verse 14. Surely who? Your servants find pleasure in her stones. You see there? See that there? You got your servants in verse 14. You got your servants in verse 28. Who are the your servants? I think they are the ones anticipating the rebuilt Zion. You'll see the rebuilt Zion because they have pity for her dust. They find pleasure in her stones. Verse 16, the Lord has rebuilt Zion. These are the ones who are anticipating a rebuilt Zion. Now folks, when you think about your servants and they're anticipating a rebuilt Zion, who who could these people be? Well, I know one. It was the one who wrote down the psalm. In other words, folks, I think you could make a correlation between the Old Testament prophets and the Old Testament believers who are looking forward. Your servants looking forward to a rebuilt Zion. When is that going to happen? When God has compassion at the appointed time, God's going to do this. They're looking forward. Then we see verse 28. The children of your servants will continue. Now, I'm stretching it here, and I realize I'm stretching it, but <clears throat> I, I, like, I like the stretch, okay? Children of your servant. Who would be the children of the Old Testament prophets and believers who were foretelling the coming Christ? Well, I think that they were the apostles and the prophets in the day of Christ. Peter, James, John, right? Those people, they saw the Christ. They saw the King. They saw the appointed time, right? So if that's true, the children of your servants, the apostles and the prophets and believers in that day that you're going to show mercy, the children of your servants, the Old Testament prophets and believers who foretold the coming of the Christ, the rebuilding of Zion. Alright? Then you got their descendants. Who would that be? Us. <laughs> As Jesus said, those who believe on me through their word. That's us. And folks, if that's right, just think about this. 
all the Old Testament prophets, all the Old Testament saints, all the believers who were looking forward, all the people that were there when Jesus Christ the Lord, the incarnate Son, came on earth. He was our burnt offering. He was our sacrifice. He suffered our reproach. He suffered our condemnation. He gave His body over. God the Father promised Him that He would endure. His body comes out of the grave on the third day. Those apostles and prophets and believers in that day, they preach, they, people hear that word and they believe. They are the descendants of the children of the prophets, of the servants. And if that's true, then this is what it means as we conclude that this psalm is written for our encouragement. It's written for our understanding. Because there is a rebuilt Zion. It is the heavenly Jerusalem. There's going to be a new heavens and earth wherein dwells righteousness. And there will be a newly created people all gathered together with new glorified bodies organically tied to the Lamb of God, the afflicted one, who died at the mutually appointed time of His compassion. I think this is a psalm written for a generation yet to come. There's no way that they would have understood all that. But we, looking back, can see the blessing foretold. And young people, this was foretold thousands of years before Christ came. And it happened just like the psalm said. And that new heaven and new earth is coming too, isn't it? We're assured of that. So let's pray and go to the Lord.